This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Marcus Garvey Day everyone, and a blessed and great Marcus Garvey Day. I believe that there's no more appropriate way to spend this day than to not only talk about his impact on the world, but to do so with the organization that he founded. Because believe it or not, it's still around. We want to hear about that and hear about the importance of this Marcus Garvey Day. From the first assistant president general of the Universal Negro Improvement Association and African Communities League, the first assistant president general, our brother, joining us from Queens. Brother Raymond Duguay. Brother, Mr. Mr. First Assistant President General, how are you? I'm doing well. A great coffee day. Let me introduce myself. My name is Raymond Duguay, and I'm at your service. All I've ever wanted to do in my adult life is to serve this beautiful Black and noble race. It's a pleasure exactly. to be on. And, and a great Garvey day to you as well. Thank you for joining us on this Garvey day. Um, how... How do you normally celebrate this day? What does this day normally mean to you? It's the holiest of holiest day of obligation. Let me give you an example. Last year, it was on a Tuesday and I had COVID. I had been inflicted with COVID since August 2nd. I was sick in bed. I couldn't even get up, my dear brother. But on August 17th last year, I said, no. Mr. Garvey would expect us to do all that we could. And we were, we were holding our convention, our international convention in Queens in New York. I missed the first, I missed Sunday. I missed Monday uh, when it opened. And Tuesday that morning, uh, Monday night, I didn't, I didn't have the physical abilities to even get up. But that Tuesday morning, I got up and I said, no, this is the holiest day of obligation. So I said, no, it's time to get up. I got myself up, went to convention, and then even attended the Marcus Garvey Memorial Parade that was established by well, whom we call the ideological son of Marcus Garvey. That's the Honorable Carlos A. Cooks, who first uh, uh, founded that parade 
on uh, on August 17, 1941. I mean, you t- if Mr. Garvey is the greatest, uh, Carlos Cooks is the second because all he ever did was promote and, and, and applaud and praise Mr. Garvey. So anyway, last year I said, no, for all that our ancestors have done, this is nothing. I said, let me get up. And I spent, uh, went to convention, then we went to Harlem. And at one point, and so funny, my dear brother, when I got home, I collapsed. You know, it, just, it was just enough strength to support Mr. Garvey, get home, and then I literally collapsed. So on August 17th, it's a day of reflection, a day to commemorate, and a day to praise uh, whom we call the greatest among men and gods, the day of the prophet. So tonight, today, we'll be in Harlem celebrating the 81st annual Marcus Garvey Memorial Parade. Uh, it's at Marcus Garvey Park at 124th and 5th Avenue. And so, what time is the parade, Brother Duguay? We're getting, we're, we're, uh, we're congregating at five, but the parade starts at six, right from uh, 124th Street and 5th Avenue. Not only do we want everyone to come, but wear your colors. Now you're wondering, what are our colors? The red, the black, and the green. Never leave home without it. <laughs> no, sir. Are you, are you ready for this? I don't know if you can see me. Yes. I never, <laughs> ever leave home without it. I always carry my red, black, and green. It never leaves my pocket. Yes, red, sir. Red, the black, and the green. Yes, sir. Of course not. No, and, that, and we, that's absolutely appropriate. Talk to our audience about the, the UNIA and where the organization is, what it's up to these days beyond just on Marcus Garvey Day. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, uh, when you talk UNIA, it's synonymous with Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey established, founded, and created. Before I tell you what we're doing now, what we're currently doing, just have to appreciate how it came about. You know, Garvey's born, of course, today, August 17, 1887, in St. Anne's Bay of St. Anne's Parish, the northern coast of Jamaica. Um, and he's uh, fortunate enough to be born in a household where reading is uh, encouraged, where reading is part of the household. Because check this out. Garvey's born in 1887. In 1883, there's a census done in Jamaica. Of 250,000 Africans in Jamaica, less than 22,000 can read and write. You're talking 8.8%. But he's fortunate enough to be born in a household where not only is reading encouraged, but reading is a part of the household. His father is a big-time reader. Even though his father was a stonemason, always encouraged Mr. Garvey to read. And the father had a library. So Garvey is already entrenched with uplifting the mind, always expanding the mind. Anyway, by 1900, he's like 13, 14 years old, going on 14. Um, he is... Uh, I don't, want, I don't want to use the word force, but due to financial constraints, he leaves school. And what does he do? He gets apprenticed into a printer, Alfred Burroughs, who's in St. Anne's Bay. <coughs> Excuse me. And get, get this, Alfred Burroughs even has a bigger library. I mean, well, he's a printer. He's a reader. And so Garvey is going to become a printer. Anyway, 1906, 1907, 19, January 1906, a big earthquake. Uh, th- th- damages the northern coast of Jamaica, uh, Mr. Garvey realizes there's uh, limited uh, economic opportunities. So he leaves uh, uh, St. Anne's and travels to Kingston. In Kingston, he's going to immerse himself and get involved. He's going to meet a whole bunch of people, uh, Sandy Cox. 
he's going to really, Dr. J. Robert Love, the single most important mentor to Mr. Garvey, because it's Dr. J. Robert Love who's going to personify Black nationalism. You know, when Garvey says the black skin is not a badge of shame, but rather a glorious symbol of national greatness, that is completely and entirely borrowed from Dr. J. Robert Love. Anyway, let's move on. Um, now in 1910, Mr. Garvey has this great idea. You know, he's immersed himself in the upliftment of black people. He's got really great ideas, but he keeps running out of money. You know, finances, economics is a big deal. So he comes up with this scheme. Why don't I leave Jamaica, immigrate? Uh, he's going to go to Costa Rica. Uh, you know, like a lot of us uh, from outside of North America, we think we're going to uh, immigrate other places, make tons of money, and go back and build the movement. He goes to Costa Rica. Uh, he's going to end up working for uh, a United Fruit Company. Uh, the best way to describe United Fruit Company is this. They were CIA before CIA. I mean, overthrowing, destabilizing it. They were the largest uh, employer and landowner in Central and South America. You know, the term banana republics, they created it because they were, uh, they were uh, growing bananas and they were creating republics. I mean, they would just outright overthrow these places. Anyway. So from Costa Rica, uh, he runs into trouble. He uh, organizes black people. No, we don't have to accept these conditions. You know, we need to organize, pull our resources. It falls on deaf ears. The authorities come after him. He leaves Costa Rica and he goes to Panama. Goes to Panama and starts another newspaper. In Costa Rica, it was La Nación. In Panama, it's La Prensa. Uh, tries to organize black people. It doesn't work out. So after Costa Rica and Panama, he visits Venezuela, Colombia, Ecuador. He even works in the copper mines of Bolivia. What does Mr. Garvey see? Black people at the bottom. Black people denigrated, exploited, discriminated, attacked, violently brutalized. He forms his vision. He says, wow. He says to himself, this is not happen chance. You know, I saw it in Jamaica. Everywhere I go, I see it. Guess what? It's a universal system. So he says, guess what? I'm going to create a solution, a remedy. He's going to call it the Universal Negro Improvement Association. Uh, that's 1910 to 1912. Uh, he get, of course, he runs out of money. Uh, he gets back to Jamaica uh, uh, at the beginning of the year of 1912. He's got to come up with an, uh, other ideas. And get this. In April of 1912, he's still in Jamaica, uh, the, the Titanic, the world's greatest, biggest, baddest, most sophisticated, the biggest thing ever on the planet, it sinks off the coast of Newfoundland. And get this, my dear brother, the, the Titanic was owned by the White Star Line. So Garvey's thinking, whoa, whoa, white people own White Star Lines. It's okay, I got you. I'm out. I'll get you later on. Anyway, so uh, by the end of the summer, 1912, he leaves uh, Jamaica. He goes to Europe. He's going to visit England, Scotland, Wales, France, Spain, Germany. What does he see, my dear brother? Black people at the bottom. And then he meets other people. He's going to meet Duzay Muhammad Ali. He's going to meet the black seamen who's going to tell him about the Ashanti Wars, how the British Empire used black people to go kill other black people, all of this he's forming. And then when he stumbles upon uh, Duzay Muhammad Ali, the second most important mentor 
He does incredible amount of research. He goes to the British Museum. He learns everything there is. I mean, Garvey is the real deal. He's got the solution. And he says, okay, I need to go back home. Plus, he's running out of money. I need to go back home and create this organization. And while he's on the ship, uh, traveling from England back to uh, Jamaica, he meets a, a, a West Indian brother who's married to a, a, a sister from at the time called Basuto Land. Uh, Basuto Land is that part of Southern Africa that's completely engulfed. It's the only country on the planet that's completely encircled by another. And, he, and the brother tells him the horrors of colonialism, how black women are raped, violated, how white men just for fun, you know, when there's a pregnant black woman, when they want to determine, they play a game to determine the gender of the child. What they do, they cut open, they kill the black woman and cut open the fetus. I mean, Garvey goes home, I mean, goes to the cabin and he cries that night. He said, my God, how people are in really deplorable state. I've got to come up with it. And that's how he comes up with the term, the Universal Negro Improvement Association and African Communities League. He had the term conservation and imperial. He's going to eventually remove them. Get this. So now he's going back to uh, uh, Jamaica. July 2nd, he, uh, the, the, the ship stops off in Port of Spain, the capital of Tr Trinidad. Get this, my brother. He goes out and he walks the streets of uh, Port of Spain on the port. Nobody knows him. He's just a regular dark-skinned black man in Port of Spain. This is 1914. Are you ready for this? In five years, there will be no name bigger in Trinidad than Marcus Garvey. This is amazing. He walks the street. Nobody knows him. He's just a regular dark-skinned black man walking in Port of Spain. Anyway, he gets to Jamaica. Uh, he gets to Jamaica like July 13th. And then July 20th, he calls for the meeting. He starts it. Anyway, at the time, he had been introduced to Booker T. Washington because while he was in England working at the African Times and Orient Review under Duzay Muhammad Ali, he learns about Booker T. Washington, who says, up from slavery. He says, get up, you know, tie your bootstraps and do work. And this is what Garvey wants to do. He wants to create a vocational institution similar to Tuskegee. Uh, so he's communicating with Booker T. Washington. Unfortunately, Booker T. Washington dies in November 1915 uh, because of immigration laws. Garvey's not able to arrive in the United States until March 24th, 1916. As uh, soon as he gets here, uh, he gets sick, of course. He, he catches the flu. But after a week, he's up and around. Mr. Garvey enters New York City. He doesn't even have $10 on him. This is 1916. In three years, Garvey's got an economic empire. How does he do this? Garvey's going to tour 38 states of America, of North America. He speaks to black people. He reaches their soul. He tells them, you know, he gives us a backbone. He says, up, you mighty race. You can accomplish what you will. Garvey's going to create the Negro World newspaper. He's going to, and then get this. And then, you know, he does this sequentially. He builds upon it. He um, Starts the first UNIA division outside of Jamaica in May of 1917. As he reaches out, people, it's like soul music. It's like the gospel according to Garvey. You know, my brother, what happens is we may not know the solution, but we have an idea what it should be. You know, Garvey tells us the black skin is not a badge of shame. He says black is beautiful. He tells us our history. He says, get this. 
You were the kings and queens of the planet, the first mathematicians, the first historians, the first engineers, the first physicians, the first surgeons, the first agriculturists, the first accountants, the first musicians. Black people saying, really? Say, yes. And then he says, the black skin is not a batch of shame. And then he's going to create black dolls. Anyway, what platform does Garvey use to entice and bring us? It's called race first. This is, he says, no, everybody does it. We don't do it because we've been discriminated, enslaved, colonized, and beaten down. He says, God must look like you. Your concept of beauty must be you. But you know what, my dear brother, all of that would have fallen on deaf ears. What's the, what does Garvey also do that nobody else has done? By the way, not much of what Garvey says is unique. A lot of people said that before. Uh, you had Martin Delaney. You had uh, uh, J- John Edward Bruce. You had so many. You had Bishop McNeil Turner. You, you had uh, 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 what's about Alexander Crummel. You had a whole bunch of people. Henry Highland Garnett. A whole bunch of others. Uh, uh, Dr. J. Robert Love. All of these people, did, they all said the same things. And Garvey tells you he's not unique. But Garvey puts it together. He says there are two concepts. There's racial uplift, but more importantly, self-reliance. See, you can't be self-reliant and begging white folks for a job or begging anybody for a job. You know, can I get a job? No, create your own job. No, How do you create your own job? But get this, you already have the wealth. You just don't know it. You know, how many statistics have we read? Get this, in 2017, in the United States of America, we black people, not even 45 million, and the reason why I use 45 million is to compare and contrast to another country. We're like at 42 million people in these United States, but let's call it 45 million. We spend in 2017 $1.3 trillion. We black people, if you look at just that amount, $1.3 trillion, that will be the 12th largest economy on the planet. And get this. Let's compare and contrast that to the Russian Federation. The Russian Federation with 135 million people, three times the number of 45 million, they only produce 1.286 trillion. Isn't this outrageous? We, not even 45 million black people in the United States of America, we spend more than the Russian Federation makes. And this is the owners of the second largest number of nuclear armaments in Warhead. I mean, this is, a, is amazing, but Bobby always knew this, that we Black people in North America, we are so uh, 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 intertwined, so engulfed, so, uh, we have so many uh, uh, assets, we just don't know it. In fact, I would extend this, brother, that the reason why we have so many assets the reason why we have so much money is to give it right back to the master. I suspect if we ever do this on our own, all of a sudden we'll, be, we'll all be unemployed. You know what I mean? All of a sudden it's going to come down. But guess what? Uh, what Mr. Garvey says, men who are in earnest are unafraid of consequences. Bring it on. Anyway, so Garvey comes up with an economic program. What's his first program? The Black Starline Steamship Corporation. Get this. He's going to get black people to give up $5 to buy a share. So you say $5. What does that mean? Well, we're talking 1919. Get this. 1920, black people were making between 25 and 40 cents per day. 
if you use the maximum of 40 cents per day times five days a week, that's $2. Black people making at most $2 a week. And God is going to convince us to give him $5. Why do we do that? It's called sacrifice. Belief that we can, a better day is coming. So he charges $5 for his shares. And you ready for this? He's going to use, when he creates the Black Starlight Steamship Corporation, he capitalizes it at $500,000. What does that mean? He says, up when we reach half a million dollars, we close the stock and no more trading, no more purchase. Are you ready for this? In three months, Garvey raises 600000 So he says, I'm no one's fool. I can't keep it at 500000 So he recapitalizes it at $10 million. Now, let me give you an idea. What we're talking about, cost of living adjustment. You know, Garvey's going to buy his first ship, the SS Yarmouth, which he's going to rechristen SS Frederick Douglass. He buys that first ship for $165,000 cash. Cash, no IOU, no loan. If you use a 5% cost of living adjustment, that $165,000 in 1919 is equivalent to $17.4 million in 2017. This is the type of money black people were giving to Garvey. That's the first ship. The second ship, the SS Shady Side, the SS Kanawa, Garvey is going to purchase and renovate them for another two hundred thousand. That two hundred thousand, using the same five percent cost of living adjustment, is twenty-two point five million dollars. Meaning, those three ships, Garvey's got equivalent of forty million dollars. Where does Garvey get this money from? From us black people. We have it. We just don't know it. It's mismanaged and. There must be inculcated in us a self-hatred where we give everybody else the money. We never see the need to build our own. Anyway, Garvey creates the Black Star Line Steamship Corporation. It's bigger than big. Can you imagine in 2022, if a Black-owned ship, 2022, came into the harbor, we'd all be ballistics. We would all be saying, my God, Black people own this? Moved that 100 years ago, 1922. This is incredible. When the ship comes in to Panama, I mean, it, 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 it departed from Harlem Harbor, 125th, 135th in Madison, from the, from the Harlem River Drive. From there, it gets to Panama. Black people could not believe it. The president of Panama closed the country. He said, we have to celebrate. People got dressed in their very best. Some people even got married on the ship. They, could, they figured, we're going to heaven. Our, our Redeemer is here. We're going to part the Red Sea and we're going to the promised land. This is what the impact Garvey had. And get this, when the ships, after Panama, it goes to Cuba. In Santiago de Cuba, they raised $50,000 in one day. People were just buying shares. I mean, this is an what is $50,000 in 1919? Well, the cost of, with the 5% cost of, cost of living adjustment, you got to multiply by 110. That 50000 is worth 600000 That's more than half. Can you imagine that raising more than half a million dollars in one day? We could do that now, even if we got, even if we got free money. This is the type of impact. Black people believed in Garvey. He had the solution. So it's not just racial uplift. It's the self-reliance. You put those two together and you naturally form 
the ultimate nationhood. Don't look at ourselves as from the Bronx or from Queens or from Trinidad, Jamaica, IET, Nigeria, Ghana. We're one people, one love, the one God, one name, one destiny. Okay, Garvey doesn't stop. Why does he build, why does he have these ships? The ships are for two reasons. Number one is for travel. You know, we were paying first class prices, but treated third class. We couldn't eat in the dining room. We couldn't use the, the regular bathrooms, you know? And so Garvey knows this. So he buys a ship for us to travel, but that's the first reason. But the second reason why he buys these ships and the most important reason is for commerce, commerce and trade. Whoa. So you ask yourself, if Garvey's going to commerce and trade, what is he going to commerce and trade with? Commodities and products. Well, then he's got to go build them. Negro Factories Corporation. He's really thought this through. He's going to build an economic empire. You know, there are three segments of life. There's culture, there's economics, and there's politics. One is more important than the other two, and that's the economics. And when we say economics, we don't mean having money in your pocket or getting paid. That's not economics. That's just having money in your pocket. Economics is where you create wealth, where your community benefits, where we all uplift. Bingo. Let's get to 2017. What is the UNIA doing today? Under our president general, the Honorable uh, Michael R. Duncan, the 10th successor to Mr. Garvey, He's got restaurants. He calls it the Jamaica Breeze restaurant. I call it the finest cuisine on the planet. Get this, my brother. All these black restaurants in New York City. And when we say New York City, we're talking Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx. We don't include Staten Island and Manhattan is not really uh, material. Those three uh, uh, boroughs, there are a lot of black restaurants in those areas. Get this. Every black restaurant that is in business Meaning, not, they don't even have to make money. All they got to do is be open, open for business. They're spending between eight to $20,000 per week on dry goods, fish, meats, produce, and vegetables. Just food. We're not talking rentals. We're not talking salaries. Just on food, the commodity that they engage in in a restaurant. Eight to $20,000 per week. I'm a mathematician by trade. Uh, he's showing these uh, figures with me. So I said, okay, I like round numbers and I like to be on the lower side. Let's call it 10,000. So I said, get, let me get this. These black restaurants are spending $10,000 per week just on food. Let's say we can identify 100 of them. And everybody knows 100 black restaurants. And they're mostly Jamaican, by the way. All over. They're soul food restaurants, uh, Trini, Haitian, but also Jamaican restaurants. Get this. If you identify 100 restaurants spending $10,000 per week just on food, that's a million dollars a week. A million dollars a week times 52 weeks is $52 million a year that those 100 restaurants spend just on food. The first question that came to my mind is, where are these restaurants getting this type of money? The answer is simple. Black people. See, unlike Chinese restaurants, unlike Thai restaurants, Unlike Mexican restaurants, the only people that support and patronize black restaurants are black people. You know, you don't get others coming into black restaurants. It doesn't happen. So I said, let me get this. Black people have this type of money? Well, they must be because these restaurants are in business. So I said, wow, that was the first question. Where are these restaurants getting this money from? But the second question is, who is distributing and providing these foods to these black restaurants? And the answer is, not us. So I said, gee, 
So we asked, we both looked at each other and we asked ourselves, what would Mr. Garvey do? Would he create an entity to go protest and denounce and ask for a cut of the pie? Or would he go on, create a corporation, issue shares, build his own, and the rest is history. We say, we know what Mr. Garvey did because we know what he did. And get this, by the way, your president general, that's the Honorable Michael Duncan, he freely admits and confesses he's the biggest Garvey plagiarizer ever. Nothing he does is new. All he does is follow the black print of Mr. Garvey. So get this, my dear brother. So we create the corporation. We call it the FACA Rock, the Federation of African Caribbean American Restaurant Owners Corporation. The, the corporation was created to supply these black restaurants. We call it FACA, Federation of African Caribbean American. That's the reason why we use all those terms. That, that's to include all Africans on the planet. No. I like that. Faka Rock. Go ahead. Faka Rock. Rock is <laughs> Restaurant Owners Corp. And we call the rock the rock. It's the rock that we stand on. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Anyway, get this. Um, we came up uh, with the idea. We first went public on March 27th, 19, I mean, 2016, on the 100th anniversary of Marcus Garvey coming in. We had it at the Schomburg. Are you ready for this? You know, we were just going to make the presentation. We told a lot of people we're standing room only. That day, we raised $350,000. People couldn't. This, this is a gold mine. You're going to create a corporation, follow Garvey, issue shares, raise the funds, buy the buildings, buy the, convert, buy all the ancillary um, uh, events like trucks and all of that and become your own market and you supply the restaurant. This is genius. And so we eventually raised $1.8 million among black people with 200 investors. By the way, the goal was to raise $6 million. My goal was simple. 10,000 of us, we each buy one share. Oh, how did we come up with the share price? Our share price is $600. How did we come up with that? Again, with Garvey plagiarizers. Garvey came up with $5 in 1919. If you apply the 5% cost of living adjustment, that $5 in 1919 became $600 in 2017. So we haven't done anything. I mean, I'm so proud to admit I'm a plagiarizer, Mr. Garvey. Everything, everything. <laughs> Anyway, so we charged $600 per share. The goal was 10,000 Africans each buy one share. We raised $6 million. Well, that didn't go to plan, but we did raise $1.8 million with 200 investors. And 
we started slowly. We had to learn the business. By the way, it's a 15,000 square foot warehouse. It has all the dry goods, fish, meats, produce, vegetables, and drinks you can imagine. It's a stable in our community. It's located at 13205 Merrick Boulevard inside of Belknap Street in Jamaica, Queens, 11434 zip code. Red, black, and green is prominently displayed. We created jobs. Now, we need to get our supplies from other places. You know, most of it is from North America, but a lot of our supplies, materials come from Jamaica, come from Ghana, come from Nigeria. What does that mean? In Jamaica, we created 19 jobs. And what does that mean in Ghana? In Ghana, we created like five jobs. In Nigeria, another 10 jobs. But then we keep thinking, hold it. Why are we going to be dependent upon those that uh, grow these products and provide it to us? Why don't we do it ourselves? That's the natural conclusion. So we built our own farm in Liberia. It's called Liberty Farm. It's 75 acres. And then we're in negotiation now for another 3,000 acres to grow rice. Get this, my brother. You know, just to show you how completely dominated and occupied we are as a people. You know, in Africa, the Caribbean too, but let's talk about Africa. Do you know the country that we know well is Liberia? Do you know that 85% of their food is imported? Everything grows in Liberia. You just throw it on the ground and it grows. How do we know that? Firestone. Firestone became a mega company because of the rubber in Liberia. All you need to do is throw it on the ground and grows. So, but if that's the case, how is it 85% of the food is imported? Because, you know, I don't know how best to say it. You know, they're practicing race first for their people, you know, and that necessarily means keeping us down, exploiting us, making sure we never expand and making sure we fight each other all the time. We're always arguing, creating civil wars. You know, get this. You know, there is not one black company. There's not one black country. There's not one black entity that makes weapons. So whenever you see we black people fighting each other, you have to ask who's making the weapons. We don't. We don't even make weapons. So how can we be fighting? It means we're dependent upon those to sell it to us and give it to us. And you know what? All of this we've got. So anyway, we've got the farm. And then guess what? Uh, on the farm, uh, it's in a community, Grand Bassa County outside of uh, Monrovia in Liberia. But get this, there are people living there. So we created, at one point, we had 82 workers on the farm. I mean, we're the biggest employer in Grand Bassa County. That was to build the farm, to dig it up, raise it. You know, now we've got something like 19 employees. But here's more importantly, here's what's more important. You've got communities and children there. We had to build a road. Of course, we called it the Marcus Garvey Drive. Again, you know, not being too uh, original. Everything is plagiarism here of Mr. Garvey. And so that road that we built, two miles long, connected three communities that could never communicate. But these communities have children. The children need occupation, need things to do. So we built a school. It's called, uh, uh, my dear brother, guess what's the name of the school? The Marcus Garvey School. Marcus Garvey Academy. I mean, <laughs> with us, there's no, there's no mystery. There's no, it's so simple. So, and then, so we wrote books. We wrote, we create curriculum. Uh, I wrote some of the books and I'm very proud. We sell it at the Rock. The Rock, 
the restaurant owners club is our marketplace. So the answer to your question, what is the UNIA doing recently? We built the rock. And are you ready for this? We, uh, we went live publicly in 2016. We opened May 27, 2017. And then last year, we issued dividends. You realize Mr. Garvey never got a chance to issue dividends because the government had crushed him. We actually issued dividends of 6.4% rate of return. Mm. And when do we issue dividends? Again, nothing, nothing should amaze anybody. You know, August 17th is the holiest day. So that's a day of celebration. So we issue dividends August 16th, the day before Garvey's birthday. So, you know, we give you money and then on the 17th, you can hold yourself proud. So uh, d- dividends were to be issued yesterday, August 16th. Uh, our CPA is uh, not, uh, he's, he's not on target, but we will be issuing it before the end of August. But we always issue dividends the day before the holiest day of obligation. So wow. what have we done recently? We built the rock, created jobs. Cre- and you know what else has happened at the rock, my dear brother? A lot of people in the community have come up with ideas. Whoa, this is the marketplace. Uh, Mr. Duncan, if I have an idea for a product, will you sell it? Of course we'll sell it. We've got, I don't know if you can see this, in my hand is Alpha Alkaline 9.5 pH water. This is our, one of our biggest investors. They created, they bought the machine, they processed the water. We sell it at the rock. We sell shea butter at the rock. We sell herbal because now the rock exists as a marketplace. And then get this, we've got 200 investors. We need to get to 300. Why is 300 the magic number? To start a credit union in North America, you need 300 individuals interacting together to apply for it because eventually we we have to have our own financial institution. Why must we depend on others? You know, Arabs work work with each other, Chinese, Korean, uh, get this. If you heard of Kennedy Fried Chicken all over New York City, yes. that's owned by Afghan refugees. After Afghanistan had their war, when they came in this country, they pulled their resources and they created Kennedy Fried Chicken. But here's the one thing a lot of us always kind of forget. All these others can come in our community and make money. All the Koreans, all the Arab, all Afghan, all Chinese, we don't make money in our community. Nah, Garvey's got a solution. He says race first. And, and we eat the chicken. And of course we eat the chicken, and, you know, and we will. So the point is, why do we have to depend on others? But the difference is, if you're inculcated to hate yourself, to never trust yourself, to always argue, say, oh, I don't trust that brother. I don't like the way the brother looks. I don't, you know, the sister's not right. If always that's inculcated in you, you will not take a chance on believing in your people. See, these other groups, they don't have that problem. They may not have any money, but they don't have any self-hatred, so they get together. You know, out on Hillside Avenue in 160s, 170th Street, and a part that's called Jamaica, Queens, or that part's called Jamaica, Queens, You've got a Bangladeshi and Pakistani community. I've seen it. In 20 years, they went from nothing to owning everything. They're practicing race first. So, and they can do that because there's no self-hatred. But ours, you know what? Let me say this. This self-hatred is functional. It's functional for the other side. That's why they have to inculcate it. 
We'll never take chances on creating our own businesses. We never trust each other. Garby's got that solution. He says, black is beautiful. He says, one God, one name, one destiny, and of course, race first. So what else have we done in the UNIA? Well, we've got a website. It's called www.unia-aclgovernment.com. We run and operate a youth program for soccer. We call it the Rosedale uh, Soccer Club. And my dear brother, the, this is, uh, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, what do you think the colors of Rosedale Soccer Club are? I, I must be red, black, and gray. <laughs> you know, there's no mystery. There's no mystery. You know, everything is so predictable. So we run and operate the Rosedale Soccer Club. That's from youth ages 5 to 13. Uh, we have, I said, the Marcus Garvey Academy that exists in Africa, but it's also virtual in terms of teaching and, pro and, and providing lessons. So we have big plans, but our biggest plan now is that credit union. Credit union. You know, why do we have to depend on others? You know, we can do it ourselves. Everybody else is doing it. So let's do it for ourselves. So, uh, and then, oh, one more thing important. We travel to Africa twice a year. Uh, well, when we, for example, when I traveled in 2020, I stayed there for over a month. I was teaching. I built the curriculum for the Marcus Garvey Academy. Uh, so we're leaving September 30th. Uh, by the way, we created our own travel agency, uh, th this one, I'm, I'm going to tell you what the name is. It's called the Black Starline Shipping and Travel. Again, following and plagiarizing Mr. Garvey. You know, when Garvey creates his ships, he says to himself, let me get this. The biggest, baddest ship ever on the planet, the Titanic, was owned by the White Star Line. So what is Garvey going to call his ships? He's got no other choice. The Black Star Line. What does he call his nurses? The Black Cross nurses. What does he call his paramilitary, the African Black Legion? What does he call his uh, pilots, the Black Eagle flying uh, uh, the pilots? Everything is black, you know, and that's it. You know, and here's the other thing. L let, me let me tell you some uh, uh, well-known black newspapers. You've got Amsterdam News. You've got The Crisis. You've got The Crusader. You've got The Defender. You've got the Emancipator. You've got the Guardian. You've got the, uh, the, the Liberator. And I forget, there's two more. It escapes me. Garvey comes on the scene. He says, uh, cut the bluff, man. Call it for what it is. What's he going to call his newspaper? The Negro World. You know, there's no confusion to what he stands for. You know, it's front and center. We are black. We are proud. All of this. And then in the Negro World newspaper, he's going to have black history pages. He's going to call it African King, African Queen. They're going to have a black woman page. He's going to have arts. In fact, you want to talk about the Harlem Renaissance? It can't happen without Garvey. It cannot happen. All of these authors, playwrights, and poets, they all got their start through the Negro World newspaper. In fact, you want to talk about the Negro... The Negro World newspapers had the finest set of editors and writers. It had T. Thomas Fortune. It had John Edward Bruce. It had uh, uh, Hubert Harrison, W.A. Domingo, everybody. And of course, Marcus Garvey, everybody. Huchishwa, Mujal, everybody went through there. Uh, what's his name? The, the, the brother, uh, J.A. Rogers from Superman to Man. He wrote on the Negro World newspaper. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Garvey plagiarizer. He is a real plagiarizer. Uh, Dr. Carter G. Woodson, you know, let me say this, you know, I, I don't want to, 
diverge, but I got to tell people this. Uh, in 1920, at the first international convention of the Negro peoples of the world that Garvey holds in 1920, August 1 to August 31, I mean, he's got 25,000 black people committed for 31 days. This was nation building. This was a government in exile. Anyway, there are 12 complaints and 54 articles in the Declaration of the Rights of the Negro Peoples of the World. Article 39 states that the colors of the black race, he used the word Negro, the colors of the black race shall be red, black, and green. So that flag that you see, it's not the Pan-African flag. It's not the black nationalist flag. It's not the African-American flag. It is the official flag of the UNIA. And it was given to us on Friday, August 13th, 1920. That's Article 39. Article 40 is the, uh, the, 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 uh, the universal Ethiopian anthem. So lift every voice and sing. It's not our anthem. We have our own anthem. It's Article 40. It's the universal Ethiopian anthem. But more, Article 49 of the Declaration of the Rights of Negro Peoples of the World, it says Black people should have Black history. You know, Article 13 says, if Europe is for the Europeans and Asia is for the Asians, then it must be Africa for the Africans, those at home and those abroad. But getting back to Article 49, Garvey is already teaching Black history. This is 1920. He starts his newspaper, 1918. They already have Black history. So when Dr. Carter G. Woodson in 1926 starts Negro History Week, Plus, he worked at the Negro World newspaper. We call that plagiarism. And why does he do it in 1926 and not, not in 1925? Because Garvey is going to be brought up on trumped-up charges. Uh, the, court, the, the, the trial ends in June of 1923. Garvey fights it. He starts his incarceration February 8th, 1925 at the Atlanta Penitentiary. February 10th, 1925, Garvey's going to write the famous Atlanta letter. If I die in Atlanta, my work shall then only begin. Look for me in the world. Look for me everywhere because I shall bring with me countless millions of Africans who have died in the Caribbean to bring you to life, liberty, and freedom. But anyway, Dr. Woodson is getting money from the Ford Foundation. He can't start Black History in 1925 because God, I mean, just starting prison. Black people were ready to kill. I mean, ready to kill because we knew it was a travesty of justice. So he waits till a year later, 1926, to start Black History. Well, Negro History Week. It was between the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. And eventually, 1976, Gerald Ford, you know, President of the United States of America, makes uh, Black History Week into Black History Month. But anyway, Dr. Woodson was a writer on the, uh, on the Negro world. He knew. He knew what the deal was. And God was old. So basically, and not only that, but once he comes out with it, the Negro world denounces him as a plagiarist. But that's unimportant. Just to tell you, nothing we've done as a people in North America since Mr. Garvey did not involve Mr. Garvey. You want to talk about civil rights and all that stuff? Look, look, look. Yeah, let me give you an example. Look at the Montgomery boycotts, 1955-1956 December, right? What's this? You know, we're begging, oh, Please, master, give us, a, you know, let us ride your bus, you know, as regular humans. What would Garvey have done? Create your own bus system. What do you need them for? You were the one paying for it. In fact, two-thirds of the bus riders were black people. You were already paying for it. See, this is why, this is how race first frees your mind. Well, you say, hold it. What am I, I'm begging to be exploited? I'm begging to be discriminated? No, I'll do it myself. 
let me build my own bus system. And this is the gospel of Garveyism. And that's why we call ourselves the biggest plagiarizers of Mr. Garvey. My brother, um, you are a true font of, of knowledge and you have enlightened us for sure on this day. Let, let, I'm going to go back for a minute though, because what you said something, sometimes it's, it's the little things, you know, they may not, folks may not amplify. You talked about all the countries he went to before Marcus Garvey went to, before he came here to America. And many of those countries were and are today Spanish speaking countries. He went there and saw, as you said, black people toiling, struggling. Yes, yes. So now it, it's, it's interesting, though. And again, this goes back to how we forget ourselves and we absorb self-hatred. Many in those Spanish speaking countries today, many of whom are darker than you and me, no longer consider themselves black. And some of us don't consider them black either. You know, so it, w when you said that, I, I just hope people caught that, that that's what, that's what Garvey was dealing with and that is how things were. Can I say this? Please. I, I, I have to say this. Watch this. Outside of oh. Africa, I let, you know, take Africa out of the equation. The place where the largest number of black people is Brazil. Brazil's got over 110 million black people. After Brazil is United States of America. We're close to 45 million. After America, the next place where black people is found the most is where I was born, IET. You pronounce it Haiti. After IET is Dominican Republic, both close to 11 million. After that is Colombia. Colombia's got 10 million black people. People don't realize there are black people in Colombia. There are black people even in Mexico. And we got there one way. It's called conquest, uh, uh, capitalism, racism, enslavement. So meaning we're found in these places. Although, if you read, uh, uh, what's his name? Ivan Van Sertima's book, They Came Before Columbus. We were here as masters way before white folk, way before even some guy named Christ even existed. We're talking at least 2,000 years before Christ existed, we were already in this area of the world, but that's not important. What I'm trying to say is, you'd be surprised where you find black people. Colombia, I mean, after Brazil, United States of America, IET, Dominican Republic is, and get this, IET and Dominican Republic have the same number of black people, but you would never know it because look how they discriminate and attack and violently brutalize people from IET in Dominican Republic. So, yes, that's important to realize. But and as I said, it's functional. We, as Black people, we exist to serve master. That's it. And this is why God is so irrelevant, because it's still the case. You know, we look at everything white is beautiful and everything Black is bad. You know, the Black skin, you know, when, you know, Black listed. You know, white folks create these things. You know, when they, when they give you a Black eye, everything. Nah, everything is to denigrate and attack Blackness. But Garvey comes along and says, black is beautiful. And not only does he say that, which is important, he backs it up. See, you can't go around and saying, I'm proud and I'm black and you're a chump. You know, you beg for a job. No, you've got to build your own. You've got to have your own. And that's why Garvey is important. 
So on this day, the holiest of holiest days of obligation, that's the gospel of Garveyism, that it is still relevant, that it, you must embrace one God, one name, one destiny, and of course, race first. My brother, this has been an incredible history lesson for all of us, and we thank you. But you know, you all, we all lift up our brother today because he, he has all that history inside of him, and he gave us a timeline of the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey today, unlike one we've heard before. If people are interested in getting involved with the work the UNIA, the Universal Negro Improvement Association, African Communities League is doing, how do they do so? Okay, and that's why I, that's the conclusion. If you like what you hear, if you want to embrace this, join the UNIA. Come to the parade today. We'll have membership forms. But you can reach me. I'm available 24-7. And I do mean that. You can call me anytime. You'll catch me. My, can I give out my number? Well, this is, this is streaming on social media, so it'll be out there in the public. I don't know. I mean, if you're, if that's call what you want to. Call me. You can call me because, you know what? I just want to recruit. Now, you can go to our website, www.unia-aclgovernment.com. Everything is there. And you can reach me there. But get this. We also have a radio show that I forgot to mention. Every Monday and Tuesday night from 8 to 9 p.m., on WVIP 93.5 FM, you know, they call it Ivory Jam Radio, but every Monday and Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. on 93.5 FM, the President General and I host the radio show. We call it Community Focus. And just to, let me just take one second to say this. How do we pay for this radio show? Do we beg others? You know, do we count on advertisers? Nah. From the Jamaica Breeze Restaurant Profit, the president general uses that profit to be on the air. And that's how we built the rock through the airwaves. And this is how we build the UNIA. So number one, please join the UNIA. Go to our website, www.unia-aclgovernment.com. You can listen to us on the radio every Monday and Tuesday night, 8 to 9 p.m. on WVIP 93.5 FM. Or you can go to www.iregenradio.com and follow us live on Monday and Tuesday. Or you can come to the parade today. It's at Marcus Garvey Park. We assemble at 5. We start marching at 6 on 124th Street and 5th Avenue. We'll have memberships. I'll be there carrying my colors. Uh, in case you don't know my colors, red, black, and green. The only colors that we love. And finally, I'd like to give out my phone number. Can I give it out, my dear brother? It is, it's up to you, brother, if you're comfortable. I'm comfortable. It's 718-570-7350. Again, 718-570-7350. Uh, we've written books. We're, we're working on our documentary on Garvey. And uh, we've been featured on the Cultural Caravan TV productions. It's on Sundays on either Channel 25, if you have that... Uh, that cable service. Uh, last Sunday, we were on discussing Garvey, and this Sunday, we'll be on discussing Garvey. So please join uh, the UNIA. By the way, you know, Garvey had 12 million members. It's yeah. outrageous. You know, but, no but, Facebook. No Facebook, no internet, no email. Nothing. 
No, really no phone, really. You giving out your phone number. He couldn't get on TV and give out his phone number, could he? And that's something. And it, it is also, I understand, evidence that the UNIA's president uh, presence in South Africa. Yes, sir. Uh, led yes, to sir. the founding of the African National Congress. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you want to talk about the, the, the extent of Mr. Garvey? Jomo Kenyatta became a disciple of Mr. Garvey. Kwame, in fact, Kwame Nkrumah, his name was Francis. After he read the, the, the philosophy and opinions of Marcus Garvey, he realized he was a true African. He said, get rid of that name. He changed from Francis to Kwame. You go to my, uh, the first governor general of, of, of Nigeria, uh, uh, and, uh, what's the brother's name? Azikiwe, Nambi Azikiwe. He, he was working with Kwame Nkrumah in Nigeria teaching. They both became Garveyite. You want to talk about the Honorable Elijah Mohammed? He was a member of the Detroit UNIA. And you want to talk about Malcolm X? Both of his parents, his mother and father, were staunch UNIA. Get this. In 1922, when Mr. Garvey went out and visited the Midwest, he stayed at Malcolm X's parents' home. He wasn't even born until 1925. Oh, and wait, if you ever read the Malcolm X, the autobiography of Malcolm X, read it. The first six pages, the very first paragraph, he talks about Marcus Garvey. The first six pages, every page, there's a tribute to Marcus Garvey. And he's talking about how his father, like on weekends, or during the week, the father was meek and mild. But on weekends, when he had the UNIA meetings, he was like a thundering black man. And they always carried life-size pictures of Mr. Garvey. So his extent is universal. And that's why we call him the greatest among men and gods. And today is the holiest of holiest day of obligation. Please come out and support Mr. Garvey. Come out. If those of you who are in the New York City area, come out to Harlem um, and march. And last thing I have to tell you, the, the, the group that owns the license to the parade is the ANPM, the African Nationalist Pioneer Movement. So... Your listeners are probably wondering, well, that's not UNIA. Why are you guys involved? The ANPM was established by Carlos Cooks, the ideological son of Marcus Garvey. He waited patiently after Mr. Garvey died. He didn't like the direction. He saw the, the, the decline of the UNIA. So he went out and created his own organization. But let me tell you, it's UNIA front, back, and center. Everything and all Carlos Cooks ever did was to promote and praise Mr. Garvey. So he is the ideological son. And so because of that, we cede authority to the ANPN because we're one in the same. There's no distinction. Amen. My brother, Raymond Duguay of the UNIA ACL, the website, unia-aclgovernment.com. Wonderful website, too. I'm, I'm looking at it myself. unia-aclgovernment.com. Uh, want to lift up the name too, not only of Ancestor Garvey today, but lift up the name of uh, Marcus Garvey Jr., who I knew very well, spoke with Julius Garvey the other day. They were celebrating Garvey Week in Jamaica mm -hmm. as we speak, stuff going on all around the world. Also want to lift up the name of um, Dr. Tony Martin, oh. uh, who was the most prolific scholar when it comes, if you want to read and understand everything about Marcus Garvey, read any and all of the works of Professor Tony Martin. God bless him as well. My brother Raymond. Let me add, let me yeah. add I, I yeah. highly recommend Race First. 
the ideological, yes. the Marcus Garvey, and the Universal Negro Improvement Association. All right, if, and, and if you can't do that, go on, the, go on the, you know, any of these search engines on the website, on the internet. Enter Dr. Tony Martin interview about Garvey. Yes, sir. Anything. Yes, sir. Raymond Duguay, happy Marcus Garvey Day, my brother. And thank you for joining us here on Make It Plain. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Please join the UNIA. Have a good day. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.